welcome back to my podcast. Today, we're talking about camp and how it relates to a particular Canadian play. I hope you enjoy. What is camp? Camp appeals because it celebrates vulgarity. It is defined by its deliberately bad taste. It's ironic and iconic at the same time. Camp disrupts modern notions of high art. Camp is associated with fantasy and fabrication, through which middle and lower class artists and performers create a sense of opulence. Artifice is a stable tool, as is inverting aesthetics. Beauty and value are assessed differently and consumed by an audience that focuses on drama and excessiveness. While it is a very visual culture, a lot of camp actually stems from performance. Scholars and artists have analyzed camp for over a hundred years. Susan Sontag, author of Notes on Camp, explains that camp has a perversely sophisticated appeal coupled with shocking excess and frivolity. Author Mo Meyer describes camp as a queer parody, and sociologist and author Andrew Ross says, camp aesthetics became the site of personal liberation from the stranglehold of corporate capitalist state. Camp steadily made its way into the mainstream, notably with a Met Gala theme in 2019. However, as its popularity arises, Problems also arise when wealthy celebrities attempt this camp style. Camp starts to lose its core definition of replicating opulence because celebrities can actually afford the fashion the stylists of camp use so much access to achieve. Let's move away from fashion and talk more about the performance aspect of camp. Camp and theater go hand in hand. Over-the-top style is a crucial factor in both camp and theater, which makes their intersection so compatible. Show-stopping musicals, big dance numbers, large casts, multiple costumes, wigs, and makeup so bold, even little Mary in the back of the theater can see the expressions of the actors, all just scream camp. An extravagant musical is a perfect example of camp's disruption of the high art minimalism often seen on a fashion show runway. And instead of adhering to that simplicity, theater camp shows the dazzling sequence and lace front wigs of performance, and at the end of the day, People are still rushing to see those performances, filled with humor and theatrics. In contrast to the highly elite fashion shows with unobtainable invitations, theater camp, with origins in vaudevillian shows, proudly opens its doors to anyone wanting to experience the experience. While theater has some overlap with camp and vice versa, if you truly combine the two, you get drag. Drag combines the DIY sophistication of camp with the Broadway-level style of performance. All of the glitz and glam is put on display with so much irony, it becomes appealing to a wide audience. Artifice, a foundational pillar of camp, is also the pinnacle staple of drag culture, because a drag artist paints their face and dons a costume to become a character. This character then goes out on stage and performs to the audience, with acts like lip-syncing, singing, dancing, and telling jokes. Additionally, drag is related to camp as a different type of consumption of gender through performance. Most drag artists are queer and often express that queer parody Mo Meyer references when talking about camp. Drag questions what it means to be a man, woman, or somewhere in between, or beyond. Using drag queens as an example in particular, more often than not, the femininity expressed is over-exaggerated and full of excess. Most drag queens don't just slap on a wig and heels, but don the tallest wig and highest of heels to accentuate the performance of being a woman. With all of this in mind, I present Sky Gilbert's 1985 play, Drag Queens on Trial, which chooses to outwardly acknowledge all of Camp's connections to drag and theater. Just by revolving around drag queens, the play exudes Camp. However, Drag Queens on Trial leans into the landscape of theater a bit more, presenting a play within a play, 
where audiences get a peek into the pre-show makeup rituals and bitching before actually seeing the queens as characters in court on stage. Drag Queens on Trial provides all the usual glitz, glamour, and drama of camp, but what makes the play truly exceptional is its harrowing turn at the end. In an essay called Closet Plays, Sky Gilbert asserts that, in the language of camp, humor is terribly serious. This becomes evident in Act 2 at Lana Lush's trial. She takes great pride in her promiscuous lifestyle, but when her doctor reveals that Lana is dying of AIDS and blames it on her homosexuality, Lana has a moment of self-doubt. This becomes the play's big scene, where Lana conquers her doubt and embraces her truth. The subsequent speech she gives is both genuinely stirring and extremely campy, with its melodramatic excess culminating in a spontaneous, taped, thunderous applause. With Drag Queens on Trial, Sky Gilbert creates a narrative filled with camp, glam, and grit, perfect for the theater. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. Come back next semester when I choose to record another one of my essays. Have a great summer.